your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. It's Mayor Mitch Reynolds Monday as he comes on the Monday before the Lacrosse City Council meeting. And are you good to go, Mitch? Oh yeah. He's finding he's got to get us. He's he's calling remotely because I think he's <clears throat> probably at like a Packers pregame party right now. Right. Possibly. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm, yeah, we're good. I can hear you. Okay, awesome. Um, all right. Well, good lot- to be on. Thanks, thanks for having me on again, Rick. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot to get to. Uh, what's more important, the Packers season right now or Damian Lillard? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, so, first of all, no one, um, barring significant injury on either side of the ball, no one gets past the 49ers in the NFC. Okay. Oh, gee, that was they're, out of uh, mean, left field. There. They're ridiculous. That's a ridiculous team. That's not even, that's not even a real team. So uh, I don't know. Packers could I, yeah, have, they'll be fun. It's an enjoyable year. We got three fourths of the season to go. Fantastic. Good night tonight. Whatever. Um, 49ers are just insane. They're so good. They're, they're so good. The Raiders haven't so. beaten the Packers since 1987. But really? it's o- it's only been eight games. But it's uh, 1987 when Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen were uh, the uh, in the backfield. Oh my! Randy, that was the last time the Raiders beat the Packers. Yeah, I, I did this uh, online. Randy Wright, Walter Stanley, Ed Davis, Kenneth Davis, Brian Noble, Mark Murphy, uh, Ken Rutgers. Those. So it's always fun to go to the 1987 roster and just reminisce. Wait, Mark Murphy was on the Yeah, he was a safety. Well, it's a different. Mark Murphy's like the owner, but remember the bald Mark Murphy? The like he was the safety. Oh yeah, yeah. okay, all right. I thought you were because I think Mark Murphy just played with the Redskins, right? Yeah, so t- different, different yeah. Mark Murphy. I think. All right, I just remember. It's just fun to like. Oh, eighty-seven. Let's see who is on those teams, and it's like, yeah, it's just Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen, like the greatest combo, probably the greatest <laughs> running back combo in the history of the NFL. Um, yeah. yeah, we could just, you want to just do the rest of this? You want to do, uh, your take on UW lacrosse beating Whitewater? We'll just do a sports couple minutes. I mean, that was crazy. UW lacrosse beat Whitewater. 51 yarder. That's, in, that's <laughs> incredible. Yeah. That's, that's super important. That's an, I mean, you know, an oh, incredibly well coached team, but they got a, they have a tre- tremendous amount of talent to go to Whitewater and win at Whitewater is amazing for a team that hasn't really been able to do anything like that. In the last, how was it, ten years that they since they beat Whitewater? Two thousand five. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, so not eight years, but it's good. No, enough. I mean, it's been no, a while. It's no. A Listen again, two thousand five. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, eighteen years. Yeah, okay. ni- nineteen nineteen game losing streak. So wow. Yeah, that's yeah, a long time. pretty crazy. Okay, and then. Uh, we could do it this way. Brewers tank in the playoffs, um, and then 12 hours later, we hold a public, not a public hearing, but a session on uh, giving them $600 million of public money. <laughs> Man, I cannot tell you how much I don't care about baseball. Well, you don't care about baseball until like $600 million is going to go to upgrade the stadium. This is something that kind of plays into lacrosse a little bit. You know what? I think I forgot to ask you this month, but we can get into it. Um how do, how is the relationship with maybe we did talk about this? How is the relationship with Copeland Park and the loggers work? It's very apples and oranges ish with the Brewers Stadium yeah. funding, but it's the yeah. same situation. The city owns Copeland Park, right? And then yeah. the loggers right. lease it from you. 
It's 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 very close to being a sim. Yeah, it's a very similar situation. Yeah, it's just scaled, obviously scaled down significantly. Rick, I mean, spending six hundred million dollars on a stadium upgrade for a major league baseball team—that's print, printing money—makes zero sense. And it is just it is it's ridiculous. To, I mean, I know people love their baseball, and I know that the Brewers are a significant part. Of Wisconsin, okay, I've heard all of that. I understand all of that, but you know, we face a real challenges in our local communities all across the state, and dumping six hundred million dollars on an organization that can pay for its own renovation? Come on, right? And then on top of that, the team isn't even the teams are worth a little bit more than half of that, <laughs> so they're like worth like one point two billion dollars or one point three billion dollars. So like, we're gonna spend. Almost as much as the team is ha- almost half as much as the team is worth on the stadium that they want to play in, and then they're going to get all the profits from the benefits of upgrading the stadium. We don't even work that into the deal. How much? How much did it cost to build that build that stadium? I, I think it was four hundred million back in yeah. two thousand two when it opened. Yeah. How long is the lacrosse yeah. center going to last now? When we until we need to upgrade that again. Yeah, I think that uh, if I remember correctly, what the original plan was, so let's see, 2018, 2017, the original plan was to uh, have basically another 20-year life cycle. Okay. So whether it's upgraded or whether, whether it's renovated or whatever the situation is, I mean, we'll be doing, we have a, a plan moving forward that's much more, uh, there's a lot more capability in terms of revenue with the center in order to in, enable to enable us to do constant upgrades. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, so it's, it's going to be a better maintained uh, um, facility. I don't know. I don't know how to do the math, but the, like the per capita amount of money that we put into the lacrosse center, $42 million per capita yep. versus the, yep. the like 600 million for Milwaukee, though that's kind of more statewide versus lacrosse center. Yeah. I, I, and I haven't done the math, but it would be interesting to kind of like compare and contrast. Uh, you know, like yeah. The, I mean, just as a just to rem- as a reminder, you know, when this was originally sold to the community, the idea was we're we're going to fund this largely through room tax revenue, and we'll gain that room tax revenue because of the lacrosse center. Mm-hmm. So the lacrosse center renovation doesn't exist without those revenue bonds. And those revenue bonds are are you know that that's funded through the room tax revenue, so it's it's it, you know it's not it's not something that <clears throat> that is necessarily going well. The vast majority is not going on the tax bills, um, the property tax bills of people in the, in the city of Lacrosse, the the community. And I see that's on the uh, there's something on the agenda for Thursday. It's just ma- deferred maintenance. Is that I mean that 16.2 million worth of deferred maintenance? But you're gonna you're gonna hit chop at it at like 375 thousand. I don't know if you know this one off the top. Of yeah. Your head. So what we're doing what we're doing there is taking uh, so the lacrosse center is an enterprise fund. In other words, it's it's outside of the general fund. It's actually fi- it's the finances are a little bit wonky, uh, so I'm not gonna get into it, but <clears throat> that they have a, the, the lacrosse center itself has a reserve fund. And what we've decided is that the reserve fund is probably bigger than it needs to be. So we're going to spend that down to the point where to, to maintain the lacrosse center. 
and do maintenance, but we'll keep a reserve fund that is right size for that for that particular building. Um, and that's that's really all that is. It's like one of the, it's like my house. I, I my deck, I can walk on it. It's fine, but you know what? It's well, I could use a new deck. I don't know. Is it like is that kind of like all buildings? Like, ah, eh, we'll defer maintenance. Uh, we can live with this, but we probably should fix it soon. What? And I, I want to just just to step back just for a minute, back to the loggers in Copeland Park. Yeah, the, the biggest difference in between because I just the big between what? Okay, so the biggest difference between the brewers situation and the logger situation is that the loggers paid for the improvements or most of the improvements at Copeland Park. Oh yeah, I've talked to I talked to um, Kapanki about that a couple of weeks ago. It's just the. Uh, it is. It, it's it's weird. I mean, it, there's one thing like if the loggers threaten to leave the city because you guys didn't fund the park, you'd probably go, okay, well, see you later. And if the brewers threaten to leave the city, this is the situation we're in, where it's political battle, a political fight because we don't want to be the governor or the legislature in control that lets the brewers leave. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't know. You probably don't want to be the mayor that lets the loggers leave. I'm giving Kapanki ideas now. Maybe they can. Maybe he can get some. <laughs> He's up for election next year. Let's see if we can't squeeze some money out of him. You know, how much clout does the loggers have? I mean, they're going to build possibly a softball team next year too. That's exciting. Really, really exciting. Cross Mayor Mitch Reynolds is going to join us this hour, and uh, we got to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds is on the phone with me this hour. Uh, he comes on the Monday before the Lacrosse City Council's Thursday meeting. And uh, we kept doing show off the air, so it wasn't even sports, which was weird. That was weird, Mitch. We didn't even we didn't even bring up the the scope of Damian Lillard coming to Milwaukee. Um, all right, so I don't I, – I, I have, like, takes on this, but I'm not going to have details, but – we have this thing called the Mississippi River Compact, and it's a group of, I believe, mayors and then maybe other entities. Um, are right, you stop, the? Are stop, you? Th- stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so, and Mississippi River Compact is a. It's basically this concept that's been around for a while. Oh, okay. And the group that Lacrosse is a part of, the Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative. I, I'm the national. I'm the national co-chair now. Okay. Uh, that group is supporting the Mississippi River Compact, a creation of a Mississippi River Compact that's very similar to the Great Lakes Compact, and such that the, the bordering states along the Mississippi River will have essentially um, authority over the use of the, of the water resources. So it, it functions, again, much like the Great Lakes Compact, all, all of the... We, we don't have the compact done yet, and it would have to be approved by legislatures in all the states as well as the federal government. But it would it would function in much the same way. It's just protecting the resource over the long term, and in protecting the resource as a as a water source for the you know the the millions of people that that get their drinking water from the Mississippi River in fifty different communities up and down the river, uh, including New Orleans, by the way. Uh, it will protect the resource as a navigation uh, hub. Uh, so, so the Mississippi River Basin drains 31 states, and uh, and, and there's 40 percent of the agricultural products in the United States flow down the Mississippi River, including 60 percent of all soy, uh, corn, and wheat. 
And so we're going to be protecting it as a resource for navigation or a just a drinking water resource, a manufacturing water resource, as well as a, basically just a habitat resource. Just saying, like, we're going to protect this as an ecosystem. And so that's what the Mississippi River Compact is, because there have not been, I mean, it has not been insignificant, the number of, 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 of ideas that have come forward about diverting the Mississippi River water to Southwest United States. And frankly, that's not, that's not something we should be willing to do. And, you know, I know there's a lot, a lot of people say, look, they're not, no one's going to build a pipeline across the United States for water to Arizona from the Mississippi. But I would say, I would counter that as saying, you know, they build oil pipelines all across the United States and water is a much more significant resource for human survival than oil is. So, I am proud to be supporting a Mississippi River Compact because, frankly, we cannot enable and support banned, uh, bad land use management in the southwest of the United States by shipping them water that, that comes from, from the Mississippi River. If, they want, if folks want water, they should move where water is, not move to where there's no water, and expect someone to then provide them all. It makes no sense. So I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of Mississippi River Compact and um, ready ready to sign the dotted line whenever I can. Well, that's a tough thing for some people because, you, you know, you talk about like, oh, if you don't like it, then move. And it's like, well, my whole family is here. I uh, I don't have the ability to move. Um, I grew up here. This is all I own. Well, that's nonsense. Rick, come on. We, <laughs> we have people that, that, you know, we have Phoenix as one of the highest, still one of the highest, in the fastest growing areas of the United States. So it's not people living there, it's people moving there. And they're moving there because there are no, there's no water management to, uh, I mean, virtually no water management, especially in ag, for their, uh, there in, in Arizona. There's no, there's no statewide water management regulations. Right. I get that. Uh, and I, at the I same totally time, you, got, you have these alfalfa, giant alfalfa fields that, uh, that farmers are tapping the aquifers. Uh, to water these alfalfa fields unregulated so they could ship alfalfa to Saudi Arabia to feed Saudi Arabian cows. And like, and you want the Mississippi River water to water your lawn in Phoenix because you've got, you're shipping alfalfa to Saudi Arabia? Come on. Like, it's not, it's not about, uh, yeah, okay, I'm, it, it, great. Yeah, certainly people who need water should have water, but that's not what the problem is. The problem is, is unlimited growth. The problem is Bad land use management, right? Uh, and 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 we could we would continue to enable it by either shipping Great Lakes water or Mississippi River water there. Just it's not it's not good for our nation. It's not good for the global commodity markets, frankly. And everybody should be universally opposed to this. Yeah, I feel like we're not that far off from golf courses and and watering golf courses and and just having lawns in general and just being like, what are we what are we doing? <laughs> like, why are we watering lawns? Why do we have lawns? And why are we, you know, using our natural resource of water to water to to like allow golf courses to freely water the the, the grass there? So anyway, very very lefty take from from myself here. But um, yeah, I mean this this compares a little bit, Mitch, to Foxconn, and they they kind of bypass the Great Lakes Water Compact, right? To get it, and and then they're I don't even know where they're at in in taking uh, Lake Michigan water, but it was seven million gallons of water a day if they were up and running. Yeah, there's an argument there. There's a, I'm sorry, an agreement in place there. I, I don't know the details of the Foxconn agreement, so I couldn't speak to that. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, what's the biggest issue? Is that the biggest issue? That one's like the most interesting when it comes to, you know, the, well, and you call it the city and what did you call it? Town and city? <laughs> I didn't write it down. It's a mouthful. So. Man, I tell you what, I have, you, it's amazing the number of meetings that I go to and you're in these situations where people are trying to, trying to re, um, repeat what the name of the organization is. It's Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative. I, I didn't name it. It's been around for 13 years, uh, MRCTI. Uh, Lacrosse has been a partner, has been a member of MRCTI. So it's 104 cities up and down the Mississippi River, all 10 states on the Mississippi River. Uh, so we represent the entire corridor. And uh, All right, I wrote I am, it down, but did I write I it down? I became the, the new co-chair for that organization. Did I write it down and, right? Know, one of the things that, that we do is, is advocate on behalf of all of the corridors. And so our our concentration is how we can make the Mississippi River a, a better resource for everyone. Mississippi River Towns and Cities Initiative. Cities, cities and, and towns. towns Initiative. Okay, I got I got it backwards. Well, From the my problem perspective, they should just get rid of towns because it doesn't make any sense. But I'm not, you know, I, I didn't I didn't start the organization. I can, you know, I can ask to change the name, but I probably won't. Yeah. See, and the problem is when uh, I look up the stories, none of that is in there. <laughs> what it's actually called. Mississippi River Compact. That one's in there. That one's easy. Well, is the biggest issue. I mean, the funnest one to talk about is, oh, they're going to take our water in a pipeline. I mean, the pipeline wouldn't be as controversial in, in general because if the pipeline leaked, there'd just be, you know, some weeds would grow in that area. But I yeah, mean, right. what, what, what would you say is like, this is the, you know, if the thing that we're tackling in this initiative is the the biggest thing, the most important thing is what? Oh, well, we, we, we deal with a lot of issues. I mean, we're constantly lobbying on a national level for all sorts of issues that support our community in La Crosse, as well as the entire corridor. So everything, and, and the contention, you know, so what, what I try to tell people is that what we do at the mouth of the river is just as important as what happens at the headwaters of the river, because we're all connected. And so... The saltwater intrusion problem that's been occurring uh, at the mouth of the river in the New Orleans area, that actually impacts La Crosse because of the because of the limitations on shipping that occur, as well as you know, anything having to do with drought along the river impacts what happens in La Crosse and the economy in La Crosse because of the shipping limitations yeah. on the Mississippi River. And so we identified and, and, you know, my predecessor, Tim Cabot, was a significant part of this organization as well because he realized that this organization as a, as a corridor-wide body could impact uh, legislation or federal activities such that we could better manage the Mississippi River to, to uh, not only help our communities but also to provide a, to, to continue to provide a, a significant resource for the entire nation and, and promote better uh, resource management and national security. All right, I got to take a break. I have two questions to ask you before we come back. Uh, does anyone okay. care that we're dumping PFAS into the water in La Crosse? And then uh, how's the state legislature feel about this? Because you said you had to approve it. Um, but we'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds is on the phone hanging out this hour. He's mad at me because I didn't go to the immediate thing that is the biggest news that happens in the city of Lacrosse. But this is the segment that I have the most time to talk about this stuff. And the other segment I want to talk about, like, 
piping water to Arizona because it's super interesting and, you know, maybe not a factor at this point. Um, but uh, apparently lacrosse is going to close all the pools and all the libraries. And, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, wait, what? It's wait, not, what? One of the pools and one of the libraries? How, how does this work? Uh, so we had we, we had a meeting today. It's, uh, it's called the Board of Estimates, and it's really just like a preparatory meeting to finalize the operating budget for the city of lacrosse. And it really is just us identifying where we can find, you know, it's, 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 it's basically preliminary uh, approval of the operating budget for 2024, which will go in front of the city council on November 13th. And uh, the, the, so what we're looking at is, uh, we had we presented a budget back on September seventh to the the board of estimates that they didn't like and they wanted us to make some cuts too uh, and what we did is we identified services that we could the staff identified services that could be um, removed and and then potential uh, cost savings from removing those services. We were doing repairs on a pool for next year and realized that we hadn't taken into account the um, the uh, the cost savings from not having that pool in operation. So we'll, we're going to be taking Erickson Pool offline next summer to do repairs there. So we'll be able to save all the operating costs for that pool for next year. The following year, Northside Pool will be scheduled for repairs, and that pool would be shut down. We are looking at, there's a number of different other areas where there are uh, budget savings. So between September 7th and today, we identified about a million dollars where we could, that we cut services, uh, and then I realized savings because of those. And one of the, so one of the things that has become Something that the community has gotten used to is this uh, large item pickup in the spring. So we won't be contracting for that anymore. And uh, so there's a, then there's a few other places that we've identified uh, some uh, public, some service cuts that will result in some um, savings. I think the council was not... They did not want to. They want to minimize any tax increase, and so um, you know we can't. We can't. We can't print money. We can't borrow. Uh, to you know, we can't run a deficit. So we have to cut services. What what pool? Okay, Erickson Pool is going offline next summer for repairs, and then uh, yep. it'll come back online. What was the other pool that's going to be just done? We're done with that pool. No, it's not. The Northside Pool will be open next year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's scheduled for repairs in twenty twenty five. We're going to actually, it was, it was, they were supposed to be the other way around, but we decided it would be better to hit Erickson to, to fix Erickson next year, uh, and delay the, the, uh, repairs on Northside until the following year. Has there ever been discussion? I mean, when we were trying to, what, $4 million yeah. to fix the pool by UWL, yeah, so we, was there we, ever discussion we will, about? We will, long-term, we will be discussing the possibility of closing, uh, the Northside pool, but if, if we would do that before we repair it. I don't. I cannot say for certain whether that will be something that we do, but we will certainly be discussing it as an option, um, and primarily because it's just, it's, 
it, frankly, it's unrealistic to maintain, I think, in, in where we're at with the amount of revenue that we have to work with, with, with the ability that we have to fund uh, uh, public services. It's unrealistic to expect that we can maintain three pools in this community. You know, St. Paul has three pools. <laughs> Madison has Madison has one pool. You know, we we are we are in in a world by ourselves when it comes to pools and library branches. Nobody else has the amenities that we have. So I think that it's important to recognize that, um, and that, and then we have to be realistic about what we can actually afford. So the the Northside pool will be part of a discussion. If it's possible to to keep it open, we'll do it. I don't I don't want to close down pools. I don't want to I don't want to remove services. I want to provide as many services as we possibly can. But the reality is is that it's not something that is achievable in our current fiscal climate. It's just it's just not. Well, you can you can uh, you can go to the Mississippi Rivers. Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, and maybe push for g- closing down one of those pools and then adding a lifeguard to to Pettibone Beach. We'll go back to having a lifeguard. <laughs> I mean, we have we have rivers; we could swim in them. I think I don't know how un- unhealthy that is, but uh, I don't. I think it's fine. Yeah, we have Black River Beach. Um, we have obviously Pettibone Beach, um, which are great great places to access the river. So they're yeah, and they're yeah they're both. Uh, yeah, they're really, really, really nice places. So the board of estimates, they meet like a couple of times a year. Yep. And we're trying and, and just, just right before the budget, right? Like this is kind of the figure out the budget. Yep. All right. So like everything, the final, the final, so we've, we came up with some preliminary numbers that we're going to be publishing very soon. And then that will go on to, um, in November, the city council will make a decision on the budget. Uh, so everything, so everything the city does is is goes through the board of estimates. Does that include like uh, police police things? Yep, all of it, all the departments. So the we removed. There was a we had a, an initial request for overtime from the police department that we cut back on. Uh, fire department. There's now four positions that we're leaving open. Um, there were three that held open from the previous year. Another one will be left held open. Um, there we're cutting the, uh, the library budget by 2%, I believe. Um, and that will probably translate into the South branch library closing. Um, and then that would be permanent. Uh, let's see what else. There's a few other things. We, you know, there's a position cut in the finance department. There is a couple of other things where we've made some slight adjustments, but uh, yeah. So we're going to lose. So a cu- you know, we're going to lose. The thing is that we can't. You know, we have we we're living in this world where we have state-imposed limits on how much we can, how much revenue, in other words, how much how many how much we can tax. Uh, we did receive a an increase in shared revenue, but. You know, that's not enough to cover health insurance costs. That's not enough to cover uh, cost of living adjustments. That's not enough to cover um, just increased fuel costs, increased utility costs, all the things. And uh, we're trying to adjust to this reality, knowing that we don't have enough revenue, um, but we know we still need to provide services. And there's been some – we're also adapting – uh, to new pressures that 
come from uh, you know some of the some of the challenges that we're facing from a societal standpoint, and that you know that relates to obviously the the crisis of homelessness in our community and uh, the opioid epidemic and some other factors like that. So we're going to lose a fire at a couple of I don't know if it's a couple or one in the fire department and the police department. We're going to lose a library down the road or like what's the estimate like yeah there's no at this point we we're leaving a position uh open uh we're not filling a position in the fire department um and that will be on top of the three positions that we didn't fill last year uh these are not necessarily frontline workers although one of them would be um in terms of the police department uh, all the positions are are funded but we're simply cutting back on the overtime budget as well as a couple of other, there's some health insurance costs that we're recouping from the police department. The, the library, we're simply, again, I can't control what they do with their funding, uh, but we have, we have reduced their budget submittal by the amount that the estimated amount for to operate the Southside branch library. It's my understanding that the library board is largely okay with, I don't think they're all they're not all in agreement, but the library board is largely okay with shutting down the South Branch. Yeah, you could probably do numbers, right? They probably know how many people come and go use that. Yep, and yep, they absolutely do. Kind of- yeah, we have, and you know, I mean, the South Branch Library is about, what eleven blocks away from the main branch, and it is at some for the most part it operates as a book drop off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. Um, well, we could put a book yeah, drop not, off there. Not, we have to. We have to consider what we we provide as essential services, and at this point, we can provide those services in a much more efficient way at the main library. Again, that is absolutely and completely up to the library board. They make those decisions. I don't. Would the state legislature be mad if you put a book drop off in different places around the city? <laughs> it was a joke. Yes. No. I don't know. Good question. <laughs> right. Book. Remote book drop-offs. Here's where where the library used to be. You could still drop your books off. It's just a big bin, you know. Yeah, um, there's actually there's actually some communities that have uh, that have done some experimentation and have worked out uh, some um, coordinated efforts with uh, private uh, um, uh, organizations. So that's a possibility for sure. Uh, back to the police thing. Are we cutting body cams? I, I've heard like the the amount nope, of body no, cam. No, no, okay. No, 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 no. They're not doing that at all. We, we will maintain um, our our body cams as well as our security cameras. Because all of that that stuff, the back end of that stuff, costs a lot of money, right? Like, because the if the cameras themselves are super cheap. Like, I have one at my house, or more than one actually. But the the amount of the ability to store all of that information, I don't know how long they have to store it. It actually helped me when somebody backed into my car downtown. It was great, but you have to store all that information, and that that cost yep. kind of rises, right? Do we know what that cost? Yeah, there's yeah, there's a tremendous amount of the, the, a tremendous amount of money that goes into storage of video, as well as and there's this is this is part of when you when you agree to something, and I talk, I talked to the board of estimates today about this. When you agree to a capital project or something that, that feels really good at the outset, security cameras are one of those things. And you know what? They're hugely beneficial because, like you said, it had a, a very positive impact for you because you were able to identify the person who backed into your car. Did I get that wrong? Nope. That's, that's right, right. right. Yep, totally. And yeah. it was weeks later that so, I was like, so, oh, I should call the police yeah. and see. So we, those security cameras actually serve a function, and they're really beneficial for police. 
However, the, the, the other part of that is that they also have a significant cost factor in relation to the storage of the video, as well as when people ask for, when people submit open records requests for video, we have to comply because of open records laws in Wisconsin. And so we have to provide the video, but which requires us to go through a redaction process with a video because there are certain things that we can't show in that video. And so that involves a, in more personnel to comply with those open records requests. And a lot of these are for people that are asking, asking for the open, asking for the video who have YouTube channels, right? So they're right. making tens of thousands of dollars a month on police videos that they're getting from us for free that we can't charge for. But we need people to review all of them to make sure that identities are protected when they need to be protected. So it's great to have security cameras. And it's great to, I mean, we absolutely have to have body cams. There's no question about that, as well as the cameras and squads. But we have to store that video, and then when people ask for it, we have to be able to review that video to supply to them. And that takes personnel, and that, that is a significant cost driver within the, within the city right now. And I don't, think we don't, we, I don't think we realize as a community just how significant that is. And that, you know, that's part of what's, what are driving our costs. I mean, it's not a huge part, but it's definitely one of the things. And I think that that's, uh, I think when we're looking at our budget challenges, that's certainly one of the things we're looking at. It would be interesting to have uh, maybe some regulations. Hey, if you open records request uh, video, you can't use it for personal profit or for, I don't know, be, like, I don't, I don't know how you, how you would do that. but Yeah, and, and that does not exist in state law right now, so right. We, don't, we don't have that option. We just simply have to provide the video. Um, all right, anything else in this, you know, with the budget process that, that just no, stands I, out? No, I'm very pleased. I mean, I feel really good about we're we're bringing, uh, so the, the city will be taking on operation of the Riverside uh, parking ramp beginning uh, here very soon. And so uh, because the the Weber, Weber Holdings was taking care of that before, we had to, we helped to bring on another person to be custodian there. Um, so that's. But that will be part of the the parking utility enterprise. We are getting to the point where I think in the next couple of years, I feel really good about the the parking utility actually being able to fund itself, and not through tickets because we don't want to write. We really don't want to write tickets. What we want to do is utilize that parking infrastructure resource as a way to generate revenue for the city. And I think that I think we're on the right track towards getting there, and I, I feel pretty good about uh, being able to use the parking ramps as well as our uh, street parking as a way to right size and um, get get our parking utility to be budget neutral. So, very excited about that as a possibility, and about that as a way to help uh, kind of make sure that our our city finances are healthier as we go forward. All right, last thing uh, before I let you go. Second Street, is it yep. almost done? How confusing it is is it to you when you go down there? And also, what's up with Pearl Street? The, the center line on Pearl Street is way off. <laughs> it's a little wiggly. Very possible. Way possible. It's very possible Pearl Street is way off. Um, I, I, you know what? I don't have a problem with Second Street at all. Uh, I was, when I, during Oktoberfest, a lot of people talked about how, how much they loved the bike lanes. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree. I think it's fantastic. And I don't, you know, there's some things that we probably could have done better. 
especially in relation to the front of the uh, the lacrosse center. But for the most part, I think it's fantastic. I think we've done a great job there. Um, and then what's up with Pearl Street? Because it is just like the center line, just not completely. Uh, will that get redone? I mean, are people are people dying, Rick? <laughs> I don't know. It just I'm kind of. I, 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 I looked like up the road and run went. over by cows. Uh, you know running down Pearl Street or something? What What's the problem here? What is the problem we're trying to fix? Oh, I don't know. The center line the just looked... The lines are crooked? The lines are crooked? <laughs> the is center line... Yeah, I, I, it just looked kind of funny. I didn't know if that yeah, was a I, thing. That... I have no idea. I don't know. I think it makes... It's part of the charm. It's part of the charm of Pearl Street. <laughs> part of the charm. Well, I, I keep... good, man. I don't know. I, I keep saying we about? just need like, to make that's, Pearl Street... This is your problem? This is the problem you're trying to solve right now. Okay. Well, I mean, that's all I got to fix. I'll go on did you, myself. Did you know before today that Pearl Street's center line was a little wiggly? Squiggly, no, I should say. Also, no. Also, I don't care. No, okay. <laughs> among among the many things that I have to address on a daily basis, that is literally at the bottom of my list right well, now. Well, I've got Kramer, and he's got black paint, and then he's going to come repaint it. So uh, you're not a Seinfeld yeah, fan. Okay. You don't get the, you yeah, don't get the exactly. joke. Never mind. Repaint that. Yeah. All right. That's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Rick. We'll see, see you. All right. One more break. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds for joining. Kind of big news. Kind of big news. A little bit. I did not get to the dumping PFAS in the Mississippi River if that was going to be an issue with the compact. But uh, you could always just email him and ask. I mean, the, the town of Campbell's got a PFAS issue. They send that water to the wastewater treatment plant. The treatment plant doesn't have the ability to get rid of PFAS out of the water so i don't know if anyone has that ability but that's that's the that's the the dilemma all right thanks everybody for listening we'll be back tomorrow